Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Devon, England, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from Wellington, New Zealand, is David Wood. So, 10 years of it, nearly. Yeah. was it? Is it 10 years of the App Store, or 10 years of the SDK? 10 years of the SDK, and then I think June this year, it'll be 10 years of the App Store. Crikey. 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. <laughs> God, I feel old. 10 years ago, what were you up to? What were you doing in terms of, of anything to do with the iPhone? Uh, 10 years ago, what I mean, 29 now, so I was 19 and I was working I was working for a company that put together radio stations so I was working away quite a lot um so really I had nothing to do with the iPhone at this point I just finished a two-year college course um sort of computer programming programming course yeah um and then I did a year where I worked hence I was away, I was away working for that company and then I went back into education for a further two years after that. And that was probably when I started getting into iPhone. Because I never got the original iPhone. I waited until the 3G was out. Um, yeah. I can remember when the original iPhone was announced, I was sort of sat there. First of all, it was the first time I'd ever seen a Steve Jobs presentation. Um, someone just linked me to it on, on MSN Messenger. One of my friends <laughs> sent me a link <laughs> saying, hey, you should really watch this and I was like okay so I clicked it and watched it and it was um yeah it was impressive but keep in mind what was I at that point 17 18 I could barely afford lunch never mind like an iPhone and, <laughs> and then it came out what was it going to be $500 with a contract on top as well so for me it was completely out of the question and then obviously once I left college and got into some work I had sort of a bit of cash lying around because keep in mind I was like living at home with my parents and I had a job coming in I was paying them basically nothing in rent. So, yeah, I kind of had all this disposable income. And then I sort of went back into education, still having a lot of that money stashed away. And the iPhone 3G came out, I think. Or the iPhone 3G was certainly out by that point. And I started thinking, you know, what one of those would be pretty nice. <laughs> so I think think the 3G came out, at the, at the same time as the App Store, pretty much, give or take. I remember a couple of people I knew at the time sort of raving about it. You know, they queued to go and get get the 3G, and I didn't understand, actually. I kind of wondered what all the fuss was about. I'd, I'd sort of, at that time, I was um, actually a Linux user in, in my home life. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd kind of recently yeah, disavowed Windows. Yes, yeah, so Apple was, was quite quite a step away really from where I was at and then I think a couple of months later it will be August sort of time 2008 I, I saw somebody using an, an iPhone using the 3G and they were browsing like just browsing generally and then using Facebook and that sort of stuff on their device just sat there because I, I was actually at a, a festival at the time I was I was performing um live live visuals i was mixing video on linux actually at that point i had this sort of like hacked together rig that was basically throwing video and putting some effects on it that huh. <laughs> was it was two machines uh sort of server client kind of setup but uh yeah and i saw, saw somebody using their iphone there and thought 
and that looks quite cool. And then that that sort of spurred me on. I think within the next week after that, I'd, I'd gone out and I'd, I'd got got my first iPhone. Was that the, the, the 3G or the original? That was the 3G, 3G yeah. yeah. It's funny, yeah. I, I remember paying, you look at what iPhones cost now and what you know, the companies, like the phone operators want to charge you for them. I remember paying yeah. 199 up front for the phone and then I went on to a £35 a month contract. Was that with O2 by any that chance? That was with O2, yeah. Yeah, and same. They gave um, me unlimited minutes, unlimited texts, and amazingly unlimited data, because I guess the phone just couldn't really chew through it like they can now. <laughs> yeah, that first contract had unlimited data, and there was, there was quite a backlash when they sort of started having to put limits in. Yeah, there was, wasn't there? It's crazy. It's crazy when you think about it. Um but you know, looking at the apps that were available and what you really did with the the phone, you kind of see why they could maybe have got away with unlimited. Um, but I remember when I it came to renew my contract, they were like, "Oh yeah, you can have a gig of data." I was like, a "Gig? Is that it? Like <laughs> seriously?" <laughs> but then they said, "Well, you realise you've only been using three hundred meg a month for like the past ten months on average." I was like, "Oh, okay, the gig will be fine, thank you." <laughs> Just took it. Yeah, but obviously use kind of creeps up a little bit doesn't it as well yeah i mean now like i'm on a 10 gig data plan and regularly i'll chew through two or three gig um especially if we go away so yeah it's funny how things change yeah but i mean you know just the sheer volume of data that people use now is different you know, photographs are higher resolution for a start yeah yeah even with new file formats and everything else the the, the file sizes that people are are sort of taking for videos and photos now are, are just so much bigger. I mean, the, the first, those first iPhones weren't even, um, weren't even shooting video, were they? No, no, they weren't. That seems incredible to think, doesn't it? Yeah, I remember, um, I think it was the, uh, was it the 4 or the 4S was the first to shoot proper HD? I think the 4. You're testing my memory now. I should know this because, well, my my story with it all, you know, sort of came, went um, hand in hand with where I was with live video and that sort of video mixing, VJing uh, kind of stuff that I was doing in terms of when that first phone came out that could play back HD video and record HD video and everything, the light bulb went on in my head that was hang on a second, this is actually higher quality video than my aging MacBook Pro at that time could put out. So I was, I was mixing on the MacBook Pro, I was mixing in, in SD, in 640 by 480, like two or three layers of video at the same time, but that was its limit. Uh, that was a, a early 2008 MacBook Pro. I bought it refurbished about six months after the iPhone. Right. After, after that 3G. So, so there's a definite halo effect with the iPhone as well. That <laughs> sort of got me all the way from from Linux um, across to using a Mac. I, I think I, I'd gone back to Windows in the meantime for a minute and um, I just really hated it. And then the Mac kind of represented a sort of best of both worlds. But the iPhone was definitely instrumental in me getting my, my Mac, actually. Was it? Yeah, so I was running running an iPhone on a Windows machine with with iTunes on Windows, um, before getting a Mac. Yeah, it's funny. I I feel a little bit like um 
with the whole SDK thing, I feel like I was maybe in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just, just in the, you know, I was in my early days of programming, so I was at college, and not surprisingly, the course and the college was was all in on Microsoft. I had had a, I had a gaming PC, which of course ran Windows, and yeah, you know, my course was centered around Windows. We were being taught things like Microsoft Access, Visual Basic. I think they even had us using Microsoft Project at one point, which was. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't even have a Mac. It wasn't wasn't until two thousand and eight that I started to think that I wouldn't mind a laptop because, as I mentioned previously, I was going sort of going away to work for the year and I was going to be away from home a lot. So I thought, well, you know, a laptop would be pretty handy. Um, so I mean, you know, it was at that time you could probably sort of walk into a like a pc world or something and pick up a, a cheap laptop for you know 3.99 but you know me being me and being into computers I, I knew i'd want more than that so by the time i'd spec'd out a machine um that i would actually want from say the likes of sony or dell it, at the time it was only like another 50 pounds to step up to a, the white macbook at the time yes which had pretty similar specs. It had like the Core 2 Duo and you know things like that. So you weren't a million miles away from the Sonys or the Dells of the time. Um, and I'd always been sort of semi-curious about Apple computers and what they were, but I'd never used one. I didn't really know what they were at all. Um, but I thought for £50, I'm, I'd be crazy not to just have a look for £50 and just, you know, yeah. it's more or less the same hardware. Because um, with those machines, you could run Windows on them as well. Yeah, with Boot Camp, that, that was kind of like my... The thing that got me to do it had that not been the case i probably wouldn't have um but i thought well i can just boot camp it so i'll just like live in windows on a mac if i really don't like mac os and I, at least i've got a nice piece of hardware to run windows on it was kind of the, the way i looked at it i went for that and then i sort of had my year away working with the macbook and it was fine i didn't really do a lot with it to be quite honest i didn't really use it as a power user um and then i moved back into education again and i was basically straight back into windows territory so i was using things like vb.net yeah and a little bit of java as well um and then that was roughly when i got the um the iphone 3g when i went back into the education so i i was kind of curious i suppose by that point but i wasn't really doing it wasn't really doing a lot i don't know i kind of saw a lot of um a lot of seasoned Mac developers that were kind of taking to iPhone development like a duck to water. Yeah. And to me, I don't know about you, but to me it felt very, very alien from from other languages. But just get, getting into iPhone development in the first place. Yeah, massively. I found it very alienating. Um, yeah. So I, I was thinking about this actually, just sort of putting together my own kind of personal timeline with it all. And so I got that got the iphone 3g in 2008 the sdk had been out earlier that year the app store had happened you know the app store was something that, that was already on my phone um with, with the first iphone i got so i've never known any any different yeah and i tried a couple of times to get into iphone development somewhere around 2011 maybe mid through to sort of mid 2012 just every now and again I got a couple of books and I was picking them up and trying to have a go just Xcode with the, with the simulator. It didn't stick because actually, yeah, coming from 
everything else I was doing in my quote unquote day job at the time was Microsoft based development and, you know, database type programming and that kind of thing. So really quite different approaches just, you know, okay, objective C, I've got square brackets everywhere. And (laughs) yeah, what are these zip files? What are they even meant to be doing? Why do I have to sort of, how do I link something that's in the interface builder back to, to the code? Even that didn't feel straightforward coming from other development environments where you put something in the interface builder and then you click it and you set up the link back to the code from the interface builder. Yeah. You know, none of this sort of control click dragging and that sort of stuff. There are a lot of other other environments. You click the widget, you then set a call back there in, in a drop down or something, and that links back to the stub in the code. It's the same process, it's just you know, a different way of going about it. So I found it quite alien as well, and I wasn't really aware of of what was going on in terms of like Mac developers then becoming iPhone developers and the whole I've read articles that have come out in the last week about how big the SDK release was. And that just wasn't my world at the time. You know, so this, this all happened and kind of came and went. And then by the time I was getting serious about the idea that I wanted to program my own app, there was already online resources, books, you know, these guys had kind of blazed that trail and there were people like the big nerd ranch um, that made quite a lot of books on iphone development and their their sort of key book their their flagship book for iphone development uh, i think whatever whatever was the latest version sort of late 2012 that was what got me started sort of in earnest and kind of i became serious at that point that i wanted to develop and the journey after that was was then you know okay that that was another year or two of kind of learning and prototypes before I made go VJ, which brought me full circle really, because that was the app that let me mix video on the device in my hand and, and get rid of the, the sort of MacBook pro setup that I was using as well. So yeah, quite a round trip really for me. <laughs> there, was a, there was a point where I thought maybe it was just a bad idea for me to be even attempting it. Um, I felt, you, yeah. I felt, like you say, it's very alienating. Um, Objective C. When I first saw that, I was like, "Oh, yeah, this is, this isn't like Java. <laughs> this is so weird." No. Like square brackets, like you were saying, and I'd, I'd never encountered MVC before. Um, Me either. So that was like, "Oh, okay, this is a." So the the learning curve was steep, and keep in mind as well. I mean, Xcode is uh, sort of notorious these days, and um, keep in mind Xcode was also ten ten years ago, and Xcode of ten years ago was what we were using um yeah and again like yeah interface builder as well as a separate app which confused me as well i was like well i've got to use this separate program why isn't it all like within one thing because um, i was so used to visual studio which like you say you put your control on the interface builder double click it and then it's like there you go there's your code this is where you write the code that this button does like it makes yes. total sense <laughs> but yeah um i just wondered if this is a bad idea because if i felt like i was gonna have to spend so long learning just to get anywhere um while also tackling a degree which was pretty hefty in its workload in any case and obviously the degree was around different languages like vb.net and java so it's like it's it's not like i'm i'm just taking on more stuff here um yeah and it's going to take me so long to you know to get anywhere so i wondered whether it was a 
it was a uh, just even a good idea in general but I think it was just an itch that I just couldn't get rid of I had to keep going at it um, and I think it was just mostly like on a personal level I knew that I wanted to do something in this space because I think what stood out to me was this was such a great way of leveling the play- playing field because you know, all of all of a sudden presuming you have the skills you know one guy in his bedroom or her bedroom can compete in a very very real way with the likes of like electronic arts or all, all these other big name developers um and that yeah. to me was like okay there, there's got to be something here um and i should probably pay attention um and then you saw the whole 30% cut thing that apple were taking and i remember reading you know apple's being greedy etc um I'm thinking, what? Well, I don't, I don't really care because, as far as I was concerned, it was seventy percent more than I was likely to get any other way. Um, as, as a one <laughs> yeah. man, as a one man shop, there was no way I was going to start running my own sales and distribution channels, and sort of managing licenses and payments and hosting of. It's like no way, I'm not doing that. Like, if if that's kind, of, that's like a massive barrier to entry. Um, I mean, first of all, you've got to like learn the language and write your app, and then you've got to do all that stuff. Whereas Apple was saying, here's a big app store that runs on all of our devices that all of our customers are going to have access to and we'll handle the hosting, the payments, all, all the rest of it. You just make the app and put it up. It's like, yep. yeah, sure. Take the, you, you could have said take 40%. I'd have probably been like, well, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I can <laughs> yeah from my perspective, it was very, very similar too. you know, just that sort of, well, taking payments, doing distribution, all of that sort of stuff that just felt like, no, it's going to be enough if I can just make this thing work. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, so the fact that I could sort of get over that finishing line, have a working app, and then just yeah, upload and click a few buttons, and it's then a, able to be sold, that that was really quite incredible. So I don't know. I think it's probably fair to say our journey was very much not one that really um, started with the SDK at all. We weren't in the space at that point you know obviously that 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 initial kind of groundbreaking that that was done by sort of the old guard um of of mac developers really i was i was reading about people who were you know jailbreaking before the sdk was released as well and i i didn't realize that that was something that that people did before the app store no I, i actually thought of jailbreaking as being something that was done to get around the the sort of locks that the app store put in place, let alone that there was this sort of period of time where there were no apps apart from Apple's apps and people were hacking their way around it to then put their own apps onto the phone. Yeah. I look back on it all and see myself as very naive about it all. But then like you say, it it just wasn't my world at that time. I mean, I, I barely just got on a Mac by the time the SDK was coming out. So in a way I kind of, yeah, when I started learning, I was like, oh, I wish I had sort of used all the time that I've been programming so far to learn like Mac OS development because now it, this would be super easy and I wouldn't have to be going through all this pain just to just to get a simple <laughs> iPhone app out the door. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I came back to like wrong place, wrong time. Maybe if I'd started programming earlier and started programming on the Mac side, I could have just nicely transitioned over to iOS and actually sort of known what I was doing. Because bear in mind, even the platform I was developing on like Mac OS... Um, I wasn't very. I wasn't a very good Mac user. It's probably, I can guarantee you, it would have been painful for an experienced Mac user to have watched me work in the OS. I was probably doing so many things inefficiently and in the wrong way, um, and I felt the pain of that as well as a user because it just felt 
you know, I know Mac OS is often said, you know, it's, it's like a really nice OS and it's way better than Windows. But coming from Windows for like the last decade, moving to Mac, it was like, this is a bit different. And it took a bit of getting used to. And on top of that, you're trying to learn, uh, you know, how to program in their language on this new device that's using this strange language with MVC, which you've never used before. So, yeah, I kind of, I guess I felt a little, a little bit of resentment that I, I, I'd been kind of in sort of Windows land all this time kind of wasting my time was how it felt because I knew that this iPhone <laughs> stuff was where I wanted to be and I was just completely ill-equipped to do it and it was it was it was a long sort of on-ramp to, to get to a point where I could make a decent app no I, I felt very very similar um just in terms of how long it sort of took me from uh deciding that yes I'm going to to do this and I'm going to learn uh you know properly I actually sort of started sitting down and putting in some good time when I first first kind of realized that I needed to to just skill up you know make it happen but even then from that point of making that decision and 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 I sat down every day and did an hour essentially for about five or six weeks an hour every day of, of, of teaching myself iPhone development but even from that point sort of six weeks seven weeks out from there where I sort of felt like I was kind of I'd gotten my head around xcode a little bit and you know i started to learn the language it was still another i think two years before i released go vj <laughs> because there wasn't it wasn't just that you know it's a bit like well okay you can you can drive the car just about you you've you've, you've passed your test or whatever but you, your next year after that is where you really learn to drive yeah so there's a lot of that you know i had a lot of different prototypes and things and kind of figuring out okay well how does how does OpenGL work as well and that sort of stuff just to sort of make the app work so I've, I've always felt like I've had that next thing to learn and I still feel like this now you know I have to sort of remind myself actually I've learned a lot over the last few years and I've, I've, I've learned an awful lot in the last couple of years especially but there's there's always that sort of feeling of oh well I wasn't here long enough or I'm still quite new and there always feels like there's something else to learn. Yeah, and that's where imposter syndrome can start as well, isn't it? Oh yes, yeah, it can. And then that just sort of gets a bit, a bit out of hand if you're not careful. Uh, because actually, what's happening now, and I think this is an evolution all the way back to, you know, ten years ago as well, is that the field itself has become quite broad. It's no longer just about can you make an app that is basically functioning on this new touchscreen device it is now about all of these other different frameworks methodologies things you can use there's so many different facets to ios development now that it is possible to be a specialist in a particular area within it yeah uh, and to be part of a team that is then handling all the other bits and you know you could be the go-to for ui animations and that general sort of transitions and those sort of things or you could be the go-to for av foundation you could be the go-to for core data all of these things all of these these technologies i can trace their roots back to to mac os of course and then you know there's crossover between the two but the depth of the field within ios development has happened in this last 10 years and, and that just sort of blows me away we're doing work now and, and i'm I'm now working full time in my day job in a job that just didn't exist ten years ago, and it's taken you to the other side of the world. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. You know, like 10 years ago, I was um, a data developer, which meant that I was working with access databases and, and uh, Microsoft's SQL Server databases, pulling information out of them, making reports and otherwise building either in access or even in ASP, old school ASP, because we had an old server. <laughs> building these systems some of which were doing things like calculating people's payroll um like calculating commission calculations that were then submitted to a proper payroll system so my world was very very different 10 years ago and there was um sort of career um within analytics and and customer insights and, and that sort of approach with data which was then at the same time as sort of teaching myself iphone development outside of work so yeah it, it just blows me away you know like for, I've, I've had my own personal journey but then the field itself at the same time as all this has been going on for me the field of iphone development has been growing too and continues to grow makes you wonder what the next 10 years is going to hold yeah yeah very much i love and think it's going to be things like like ar kit but i don't know that for sure it could be could be something that's you know, not even seen the light of day yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm trying to think what I would hope for in the next 10 years, but I think whatever I say is going to be really short-sighted. I'd be like asking for, you know, I'll probably say, like, oh, you know, free trials and upgrade pricing would be nice, but <laughs> really like <laughs> the scope of the next 10 years is way beyond beyond that kind of thinking. I think on the whole, I'd like to see an emphasis sort of more on quality. In a, There seems to be... I mean, how many apps were there on like day one on the app store? Like in the hundreds. Now there's like, was it, is it 2 million we've passed now? Something like that. Yeah. And within that, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of junk and a lot of abandonware and you know, yeah, culture of free, but not really free. I mean, almost like the days where you used to get those really rubbish CD-ROMs in like packets of cereal. that you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess that's maybe the price you pay for a, you know your platform being so popular um yep yeah and it's that kind of like uh gold rush era and then not as well we've sort of seen the market yeah flood and then then stabilize as well yeah i mean there's like say a lot of these rubbishy apps that are out there um i would i would like to see an emphasis back on onto quality but then maybe maybe most people aren't bothered by it i mean i look at the i looked at my uh my mum's home screen on her phone the other day and there's so much on it that i would liken to junk and what i've just described and she's fine with it (laughs) so maybe (laughs) maybe maybe it's just like the market in a broad sense isn't as bothered about this kind of stuff as i am but then i don't know i don't know maybe maybe, um i'd like to see marzipan play a role maybe in bringing some quality back like like we've said before it'd be nice to see if you know the some of the, more of the the powerful apps from macOS can start finding more of their way to iOS. Maybe that can drive quality forward. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it would be good f- um, in terms of opening up the iPad sort of end of things as well. Definitely, like yeah. a sort of the, the the natural line of travel is that that you know these Mac apps become iPad apps and a bit of vice versa as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've said before that that I've sort of very selfishly got my eye on kind of go vj pro which would would be in my head the idea i've got for that would be ideal for both ipad and, and mac os yeah uh it's a bit of a funny situation though actually because 
equally if i just made the ipad app now i don't think it would justify the the sort of level of investment of my time yeah but then if i went to go and make a mac app the investment of my time up front in learning app kit and, and going into all of that as well so then makes that feel prohibitive um, and the idea of running two separate apps that basically do the same thing but with completely different um, setups running the UI, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's a no-go in terms of time. So, yeah, I do really hope that this is going to be be a thing. Um, but even even that, I mean, like, yeah, we're saying, you know, the next 10 years, of an emphasis on quality and marzipan, I mean, just we could look back on this episode in 10 years and be like, wow, all the stuff we just didn't see that was coming. Yep. That was... And that's kind of the the fun of it, I think. Um, just having those moments where like a really important technology comes along and just sort of blows everyone's minds. And yeah. then we get to see the creativity from the development community and, and everything like that. And that, that's kind of what keeps me hooked, I think. Because um, yeah, it still feels like it could happen again and it still feels like it's not it's not done yet. Yeah, I mean, the iPhone and the smartphone in general, I think, it's going to be hard to have another one of those. Um, but then I think because of that, the platform, you know, the smartphone platform itself is so big and it's so broad, there's stuff within it that can happen that could almost be the same thing all over again. Um, like you alluded to ARKit, I think, you know, it's obviously still early days, but that could be really quite huge um, and quite profound, I think. Um, so yes. given that the smartphone is almost like everywhere and everyone's got one and they're so popular and becoming so more powerful, I think the opportunity to for new things to happen within the smartphone is, I, th- I think sometimes you hear like, you know, Apple's not innovating anymore because they haven't made another product like the iPhone. It's like, well, maybe they don't need to. Maybe just stuff needs to happen inside that space now. Yes. Um, maybe that's where the focus should be, like, like ARKit and, and other things like that. Um, but yeah, it I'm I'm quite humbled to sit here and be like I'm completely fine with not knowing what the next ten years hold, and actually that's kind of what I like about this whole thing. Yeah, very true. I, th- I think if um, you sort of think about, well, okay, my job didn't exist ten years ago. You know, the job I'm doing now did did not exist then. So maybe the job that I will be doing in in ten years' time doesn't exist yet as well. <laughs> yeah when you put it like that when you put it like that that's a that's a strange and interesting thought right but it's entirely possible and you know maybe maybe then with the next thing you know as ios developers we will be like those mac os developers were in terms of being able to to sort of be in those early days and, and kind of jumping on board with whatever it is yeah <laughs> gold rush <laughs> <laughs> maybe who knows but equally i'd be perfectly happy with with 10 years of just getting better and better at what i'm doing okay we'll call that a wrap if you've enjoyed today's show it'd be great if you could leave us a review on itunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in overcast by hitting that star button that will help us reach even more like-minded people Um, also we have our slack channel we'd love to invite you to join our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out if you'd like to join uh, just leave us a message on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so dave before we run off where can people find you 
And you can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, my latest app to help kids learn to read. You can find at spacereaders.com and on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott.